Hello and welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share an artifact from their past they'd sooner the world didn't know about. Like this blog that I wrote when I was at uni about Apple where I said the following. There seems to be some sort of belief that anything with the letter I or the word Mac in front of it is instantly better than anything else. iPods, iPhones, iPads, MacBooks, Mac iPad phone pods, etc, etc. But the thing is, is that that is not true at all. I'm cur- <laughs> I currently have an iPhone. I'm holding an iPad as we speak, and I edit this podcast on a Mac. I am a terrible person. Um, <laughs> I'm Daryl Smith, and with me today is the host of the Musicians Podcast, Matt Aldous. Hello. Hi, Matt. Uh, what are we going to be looking at today? Uh, uh, something awful. Uh, <laughs> it's, pre- it's the first band I was ever in, actually. It's uh, and there's a couple of songs off the first EP I ever recorded in a in a recording studio, a terrible studio. Um, I won't name it, uh, but it yeah, it's still you know it's the first my first go. And how long had you been together before you recorded? Oh, uh, uh, maybe a few months, six months, maybe. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And so you were how old? I was eighteen, unfortunately. Was my first band was at 18. I was a late bloomer. I spent my youth doing other things. <laughs> I don't know what they were. Sitting in my room, I think, most of most of the time. Were you playing music before you joined a band? No, maybe like six weeks before I joined the band. Really? Yeah, yeah. Started on acoustic guitar, and then I eventually plucked up the courage to sing. Um, unfortunately... On these two tracks that I've got, uh, the ice, <laughs> I'm on the first one as, you know, main vocalist. <laughs> but the second is uh, we had a singer and I was doing the backing and playing guitar, but I wrote the lyrics. Right, okay. So, yeah. So I've got no nothing really to hide behind. <laughs> um, okay. I think we should listen to some of it then. Uh, okay. Uh, so... What's the name of this first song? Oh, God. Why have I got to say it? Uh, the, the first song is called Babies for Breakfast. <laughs> and it, it's, all, it's also got a name in brackets. Oh, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a metal song. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and uh, like I say, you know, my first go at music. Okay. <laughs> this is Babies for Breakfast. Oh, God. <laughs> That's you. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. I ended up being in a hardcore punk band. I can see that. <laughs> Wow, I've just seen how long this song actually is. 56 seconds. Yeah. That's all we need. I love the babies. Wow. Yeah. That's something, isn't it? How did that feel? Uh, that was awful. I'm sweating buckets now. I hated that. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> <laughs> um, who were you listening to? Like a lot. Who influenced that? 
Oh, um, what was the band that did uh, Down With The Sickness? Disturbed. Disturbed, yeah. Disturbed, listening to that. But we we didn't really have a genre. We defied genres. Every song was a different genre. We had uh, like pop punk in there where I was listening to a lot of Green Day and Blink-182 and Simple Plan. <laughs> and then we had... You know, we had Scar in there, terrible Scar. Uh, uh, and that was, I mean, that song was called, I should have brought that as well. It was called Steve is Such a Porn Star Name. And it was essentially about Steve, who was a porn star that didn't feel appreciated by the industry. And all he wanted was his own porn shop. <laughs> that was the premise of that song. Um, and then we had a couple of like, you know, dark, uh, like sort of deep, meaningful songs. Uh, and And a couple where we were, angered at society because you know you have to be as a young artist and what are you angry about in this song uh mostly babies <laughs> i think uh <laughs> i'm probably a bit myself um i i don't i don't know i don't know if there was that much thought that went into that that particular mm. song i don't know if you can tell <laughs> um i think we just had a bit more studio time and we thought, you know, we might as well make the most out of this. <laughs> so with the the recording of the EP, how many tracks did you record? Uh, like maybe like five or six, I think. I've got some of the other, other songs somewhere, but I had to ask a, a, a friend, the guy that played bass in that band, if he still had any. Uh, uh, do you not get Because I haven't, I've, maybe in my mum's attic or something, um, she where she proudly kept it. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I, could, I couldn't find it, so I had to ask him and he sent it over to me. Um, so did you write the lyrics for all the songs on the album? Not, no, not all of them. Uh, but the, that's why the, one, the other one that I've chosen is one that I did write all the lyrics to. But the, we had a, another singer, a guy called Aki, or James, what's his full name? James Ibrahimi Naomi Akbar, I think his name was. He was slightly older would sit in the corner and write be like give me a second and he'd write loads of lyrics and uh and he'd come out and sing them and they'd have like some sort of narrative but a lot of the time just nothing none of it made sense at all so did you like <laughs> book the studio space and then write the songs we wrote this babies for breakfast yeah that's we we booked the space and then wrote that song but the others we had, you know, we were professional. <laughs> we uh, we had prepared, yeah. So how did you all meet? College. Um, that was when I first discovered like music was a thing. Uh, clearly, I couldn't do it yet, but I, I, I sort of found. I, I mean, even this is embarrassing. This is another thing. Is the way that I got into music was. Um, do you remember? idol pop idol yeah, yeah. With, with and it had um it's where girls aloud came from isn't it that was pop idol uh pop idol the pop rivals. star the rivals oh. or something like maybe yeah yeah one of those shows before x factor like the shows before x factor and there was a guy called darius dinesh Dar who, who performs as darius yeah yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. Did, he had a song called colorblind and i was watching pop world one day <laughs> And he was playing live with his guitar and I thought, that's cool. Clearly, <laughs> I need to do that. So I asked my mum for a guitar and I started learning guitar uh, around my 17th birthday. Like, 
maybe it's a bit after, a bit before. I can't remember, but I, I started playing guitar around then and then joined this band when I got to college. I met a guy that played bass and then he was like, he had a music room at his house, his, oh, like, nice. his mum's house. And uh, that was like a dream. So I'd just go in there and just try and write songs and make music, but they normally didn't pan out. <laughs> Um, when your mum brought your guitar, did she do the classic thing of buying you a Spanish guitar? No, she she let me decide. Nice. She was she bought me a guitar for my birthday, and it was like a dark. This, and the, this is what I chose: a dark purple Brunswick guitar, acoustic guitar. Um, and then she paid for six guitar lessons. I never had like a Spanish guitar or anything. It was just the purple Brunswick. And do you still have it? My stepdad does. Bought it off me when I moved out. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd moved on to bigger and better things. You know, I had like a, a, a sunburst electric acoustic guitar. You Do know? you not feel any attachment, though, to your first guitar? No, I don't get sentimental about stuff like that. I I can remember it. So that's that's like, like memories are more sentimental to me than the actual things yeah. that were in them. Um I spent a lot of my time not really having much, like not really owning much. I was, I'd sort of sofa surf quite a lot. Um, so I just learned that I, d- I don't actually really care that much about possessions. Uh, probably now I'm a little bit different because I, like, I have a house and like, I own cats and, you know, or they, or they own me. <laughs> That's the right thing to say, isn't it? Uh, and yeah. And, and like, yeah, I probably am a bit more s- sentimental about possessions now. Um, but for a long time, I just never really attached things like possessions to memories. Which would make sense as to why you didn't have easy access to this album. Yeah, I, well, I wanted to forget. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like, you know, uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want, want, it, want to have to bring it back up again. But um who knew? Who knew? Twelve years later, someone would ask me to come on a podcast and talk about it. <laughs> I haven't. I don't think I've asked what the name of the band was. Uh, Random occupation, and there's a very specific way of spelling, like typing it out. Um, smaller, I think. Capital A, capital N, capital D. Small O, small M. Colon, <laughs> or semicolon, colon, colon. I think. Uh, <laughs> And then small O, capital C, capital C, and then I think all lowercase after that. Okay. Yeah. Was there was... any reasoning? Or was it just my sheer mental OCD? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after you record, did you perform this live? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We gigged and stuff. We were like a fully functioning band, even if we were terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for how long? Like. I think we're in this band for like a two years, maybe a year, two years. How, how long? Must have been about a year, maybe. Because I moved, I ended up being in a punk, a hardcore punk band, and um, and that was like I must have been like later on in my like about around nineteen mm-hmm. when I joined that band. So you so, were st- still at college when you joined that band. Uh, no, I just left college when I le- so I literally just had just left and was about to start uni. It was sort of in that w- period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I had it like 
old girlfriend and she, a girlfriend a long time ago, not that she was really old. Um, and uh, and we fell out. I went to a gig that I knew was going on down the road and then sort of started asking about, does anyone know anyone that was... Because in my mind, I was like a musical god. I, I, I was really? so good at music. I was such an arrogant little toe rag. <laughs> and were you any good? No, terrible. <laughs> I was writing songs about eating babies for breakfast and putting them in baguettes. <laughs> like, you know, um, and I, I had no sense of narrative in any of my song, my songwriting skills. But anyway, I ended up bumping into this guy. Um, so someone directed me to him saying, oh, this dude's looking for someone. And then I ended up joining his band, which was subsequently terrible as well for a long time. But mm. we sort of learned how to get better um, and ended up being all right. But then I left. And uh, and then pursued other like I think I was in in, a, in an indie band and then that turned into like a pop rock band which turned into like a the the last band I was in which was the Guardian reviewed it as like uh, uh, it was like a, uh, Robbie Williams fronting Coldplay doing covers of U two Wow yeah. That's a backhanded compliment if yeah. ever I've heard one. <laughs> I mean, was the music good? Were you happy with the music you were making? Well, I was really annoyed about that comment until I really thought about what he was saying, which was, you sound like a culmination of three of the biggest selling artists of all time. And that fed my ego for about a year and a half. That's <laughs> so, a great way. Of, yeah. But, I, I turned it around, you know? Yeah, amazing. Um, with that band was all right. Yeah, we actually, we were a legitimate band. Um uh, we yeah I, we sort of toured played um we did like you know stuff for radio one played glastonbury played radio one's christmas party did like lots of like bits and pieces like that so that band actually led to real opportunities mm. um but ultimately it all ended in failure because <laughs> i don't i'm not in a band now i don't do music uh anymore so the thing which i, I i've always thought is the hardest thing potentially with being in bands is that so how many people were in that band the last one you were in the last one uh was it started off as a four piece and then ended up being a five piece um and then we added a keys player but then the, one of the guitarists left so it was like six and then five real quick so it was yeah it was like four five six yeah <laughs> so varied. so you've got like five people who are all have varying music tastes and then you're all working together to make something. Mm. But I've always thought that you're probably, or none of you are actually making exactly what you want to be making. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that's sort of, well, it's sort of a, I, I wouldn't put it like that. I would say that no, you end up making something you didn't expect to make. So it's it's not that you didn't want to make it. It's just your vision of it might have been different in the beginning. And then when you hand it off to someone else, which is part of the process, especially there were two main songwriters, myself and, and another guy, the guitarist in the band who sort of recorded everything as well. Um, and often I would write a, a song just on an acoustic guitar and, and, you know, write down the words and sing it. And he would take it and sort of produce it into this thing, turn it into like sort of change chords here and there and fiddle about with the arrangement and structure and it ended up being a song that i was like i you know i didn't expect it to ever sound like that yeah but that's not a bad thing that's a really good thing because it it's just all it's doing is adding more uh 
like sort of depth to the to the song. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose the the opposite way around to how I uh, how I described it is that you were all just putting in your own skills. Yeah. To create something better. Yeah, you have to you have to realize it takes a while but you have to realize who's got which strengths and then let them give them space to be be able to operate and sometimes as as one of the songwriters you have to learn how to let go of whatever you've sort of made um because you I I mean me I'm quite a controlling person mm. um and and I can be quite selfish sometimes and so it it re- really is like a almost like you have to learn how to disconnect yourself from it to to allow the other people to do their do their thing to it and uh, and you nine times out of ten it comes back way better than than you could have sort of hoped for if you're working with really good musicians which thankfully I, I've always had the pleasure of doing so going back to when you weren't working with such <laughs> good musicians <laughs> myself uh, included yeah um what was your first gig like as random occupation it was in western supermare at hobbit which isn't there anymore they're building like a shopping center there now it was on dolphin square and it was with a band called slice peach who were like a you know ash the band ash oh yeah yeah love ash yeah they were like a sort of uh they were their own thing but they were heavily influenced by ash um real good though uh, well, I don't know. Maybe if I listen to it now, I won't think that. But at the time, everyone looked up to them. So we got on this show with them and it was like, whoa. And and then we went and played that. And it was funny. I was talking to one of the guys the from the, the guy that gave me these tracks. And he was talking about how like he was trying to have a beer and I wouldn't let him. Because I was like, it's not professional, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, so, I was already so serious. already serious. Like this is it, man. Like this is my career. This is what I'm doing. Right, let's go and sing a song about putting babies in baguettes. That was how you know I was already there. It was yeah. It, it was a fun fun gig. Um, and I later learned there are worse things than drink that you can take before a show. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, after that gig, did you like? It sounds like you may have done some like analysis on it yourself if you were like quite controlling in that way. How did you feel about it after? Well, it after happened? the actual gig? Yeah. I think I was just like, because it was like my first proper gig with a band. So I think I was just like happy about it. I don't, I can't remember if it went well. I can't remember if it, I mean, it must have. I remember one of the people, one of the members from Sliced Peach coming up to us after and being like, how do you play so tight? And we were sort of, I was in shock by that comment. Cause I was like, shouldn't you know <laughs> you were like the headlining band. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I remember that comment. So I was like, we must be good. I must be a genius. That I, the decision to not drink before the show paid off. <laughs> but I don't, I think I was just happy that it went, it, it wasn't a complete disaster. So did you break up as a band because you were ending college or was it just because you were going to this better band? I think, I, I, if anything, it was, it was probably because I was becoming increasingly more serious about music and I've, maybe the other guys weren't, you know, it, it, for them it was a fun hobby and I, I sort of, I needed something 
that was more that was going to be more serious where I could where I could really like spent put all of my energy into it and so I think I became quite difficult to deal with after that it just became like it wasn't fun anymore mm. because of me like because of how controlling I was being because I wanted it to be something more than it was but they were treating it more it was a hobby for them whereas you could see yeah maybe more maybe yeah I mean you'd have to talk to them um but yeah I think from my perspective I think that's probably true and by the sounds of it, you're all still friends, or at least you still speak to one of them. I speak to, yeah, one of them. Um, everyone else hates me. No, um, I, we just all gone our separate ways. Uh, and the, the the guy that played bass in the band, a guy called Nick, he's the person I first met. He sort of introduced me to the idea of being in a band, pretty much. Yeah, we still talk. We still we for a long time we didn't, but not out of any animosity. It's just life, isn't it? It's just yeah. you go in different directions. I ended up moving away. Uh, eventually, came back and bought a house, like sort of in the next town to him, and and then so we sort of were like, should we go for a beer? And so we sort of talk again. Um, so that's nice, yeah. But the other guys, I I haven't spoken to for a long time. But I bet when you went for that drink, it was like you hadn't like it hadn't been all those years or was it not it was a bit like it's a bit awkward first but then you real quickly get back into the groove of sort of like i remember how this works and and then you just start messing about again and uh and nick was always really silly that was his sort of he was always like just mucking about uh having a laugh so it was yeah it was quite easy to sort of get back into having a chat like mates and stuff Okay, so we're going to look at the second song. Yeah. So this is the one that you've written more lyrics to than just yeah. the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm saying that you took this one more seriously writing it, is my Probably, guess. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it still doesn't make sense, though. Um, it, it's a song influenced by maybe pop punk, Blink-182 sort of okay. stuff. This was our pop punk song. Yeah, well, I suppose you. If this was two thousand and five, yeah. that's peak. All of that peak kind of blink, music, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a lot. I think there's like a bit of simple plan in there, and a bit of uh, Huberstank, maybe. Oh, <laughs> you just talk about all the bands that I used to listen to. Mate, oh, yeah. Right, and what's this song called? This song's called "The Loner in the Corner." We only had one good guitarist. That was it. I think it sounds really good. Really well recorded. Maybe it's not such a bad studio then. And how did that feel listening? It's, I mean, not as bad as the other one because it is more of a probably you know more of a song. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's still it's when you start really looking into what it is I'm saying or what it, it's not actually me singing, but I wrote all the words to it. Um, but what's being said is is uh, 
I contradict myself like every third line, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So is this song actually about anything in particular? Is it about a certain event? Well, the whole thing is like, it's geared towards like a girl that I can't get, right? But I think it's just, there was no particular girl. I think it's just girls. I just, I I didn't have a very healthy relationship with them. (laughs) I think like... Oh, I just think I, I probably didn't have a relationship with any of them. <laughs> so you didn't have you you didn't have or hadn't had a girlfriend before writing that? Maybe a couple, maybe a, f- a couple in in primary school. So, um, what are some of the lyrics in this which so, make you feel <laughs> awful? So the, the, there's, I mean, it's later on in the song from what we just heard, but the there's <laughs> there's a a few lines I've picked out like a verse, and or it's sort of. Half half of a verse into a into another verse, um, but it, it goes like it says, "The way this really hurts, indeed, especially the time you made me bleed. Each day of my life has been a roller coaster ride for me. Nothing is ever easy. Nothing simple or plain. And this is what I. The next bit is what that is. What does that entail, right?" Spending all of my time at home, sitting in my room alone. That's what's really hard for me. That's, <laughs> and not simple or plain. It's really complicated <laughs> to sit in my room alone at home, at my own house. Um, and then the next bit is creepy because it's about a girl I can't get and is not interested in me. Right. So the next bit is staring at pictures of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're the one that gets me through. She doesn't even know it. And so far she's already made me bleed. So why am I obsessing over this? So the thing that makes you feel bad about that is that the lyrics are illogical. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that the fact that I'm, I'm saying like, I'm sort of, I'm saying that this girl should, you know, like you should come and be my girlfriend or whatever. And she's sort of already said no. And she's clearly punched me in the face or something. And then I still go on about it. And then I start creepily looking at pictures of her in my room alone. And it's it's all weird. And it just makes me feel a bit weird. <laughs> but uh, can you actually remember writing it? Yeah. Well, I can't remember like where I was. I mean, I remember obviously writing, the, writing it down mm. <laughs> and thinking... That's it. That's the verse. That's golden. Let's put that in. There's an interesting thing that uh, that I've interviewed a few people on this podcast who have all written songs. Yeah. And what I find uh, interesting um, when people, I think, first start writing lyrics, and I used to write awful poetry, and I did write some songs as well. And I noticed that very early on, all you're doing is writing, or I'm not saying that this is necessarily what you were doing, but it might be, is that you'd write like a line that you think makes sense and then you try and just think of something that rhymed with it and then you're building a song but you're not really knowing what it's about that's probably a lot of that yeah there was probably a lot of that in all of the songs it's the beginning stages of trying to sort of hone your craft and and there's not a lot there to hone so you just sort of it just feels like you you know you just you just trying to do what you can with what you've got and 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 sometimes it it comes out weird and creepy <laughs> uh, and so after you've written like 
down those lyrics, would you you then take them? I'd to have the to band? show them to other people, yeah, and then sing them publicly. Um, yeah, you show them to a band, and they're like, "Great, yeah." No one stopped me at any stage. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> to ask. If anyone was like, "Oh, or we could like do this with it," like there was no in, in the early days, there was no real collaboration in in, in relation to that. Well, it wasn't that there wasn't any collaboration. I just think it was the standard that we were working with. I mean, we were, we've we've got one guy writing about looking at weird pictures of, well, not weird pictures of a girl, weirdly looking at pictures of a girl uh, in his bedroom. Um, and then we got another guy writing songs about Steve and how he just always, well, they were Steve, the porn star, that's much more of a fleshed out narrative. He's thought about it. He's and he's this is like this is the story. He doesn't feel appreciated by the porn industry and and needs his own porn shop. That's his dream. And he can't can't fund it because porn doesn't pay, does it? <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think what what it sounds like is that in this early band is that I suppose you maybe never discussed what type of band you were going to be. Yeah, I think none of us had any idea. We had we didn't even know that if we could play instruments. That was, we had one guy that was like the only good guitarist in the band. Um, there was only two and I was the other one, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, and he just loved Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and stuff and would just play all of that sort of stuff religiously. And and that was that was his thing. And then I was able to play about six power chords. And then the bassist was able to play... Uh, bass but we could never tell if it was the right note we weren't good at working that out Mm. so that took a while and then the drummer i can't even remember how he started playing he started playing drums when we started the band i don't know where he got a hold of a drum kit from but (laughs) he somehow did put it in his house and and started trying to practice and then i didn't want to sing so we got this other guy in that was the size of the talent we had. Just a bunch of guys. One guy that w- could play music and a bunch of other ones that really, I mean, it was touch and go on a on whatever day of the week it was. <laughs> so so obviously from those early stages, you did eventually like get into professional bands. Yeah. Like, so what changed? Like, what did you do to get better? I was just super lucky. I think if I'd met different people, I never would have. I I would have been awful for for ages. I've sort of had the birth and death of a career within 12 years. And in the middle of that was a a good amount of sort of success. And I think I was only able to do that so quickly because of the other people I met. So straight away, I mean, really early on, I had a a, a sort of a feeling or a need to, to, to be good at music but I didn't really I mean I'm a lazy guy and I didn't really want to put in the time so when I met these other people that would then spur me on to get better or you know focus my attentions a bit more than going out and getting drunk and stuff I think that helped and then when I when I then shifted from sort of heavy music to being in like indie bands and and things I'd had enough I was road worn enough, sort of. I knew the ropes, so I could so I could set something up, and I had enough enough sort of get up and go to do it. And then after that, when when I ended up in my in the last band I was in, it was just our goal was to be the best band in the world. 
that was the that's the goal you don't set i don't think there's much point in setting your bar any lower uh although it's probably better for your mental health <laughs> yeah um but yeah you yeah you manage to s- sort of just meet these really talented people just by sheer luck um and that really was the thing that made me have to get better for months and months I would sit in my room and try and be good. And I didn't want to be doing like practicing or playing. I I don't, I don't enjoy playing musical instruments that much or singing that much. I enjoy songwriting. Okay. I was going to say, what did you enjoy then? (laughs) I enjoyed the songwriting. That was the draw for me because the whole sort of being good at a guitar, having to put in hours of work every day just seemed like tiresome and tedious to me didn't want to do the same scales every day i didn't want my fingers to have to move in a certain way without my brain thinking about it or whatever it just seemed so boring but songwriting was like creating something out of nothing so i just had to be good enough to be able to get that out of my head um and then when i when we were in serious i was in serious bands i would always do whatever i could to step away from the guitar and just focus on singing because like melody singing and it's more connected to the songwriting than the music for me. So I left the music in the hands of someone that was way better at it than I was. And I sort of stuck to the, the melody and the, and the, uh, the words and the lyrics. Cause I ended up being okay at writing lyrics. <laughs> and do you still write now? I, I do write down, write ideas and bits and pieces, but I just don't really have any desire for it anymore. For a long time, I had to try and deal with the disappointment of not, that I wasn't going to be a famous musician. And that was quite tough. Like it's sort of, we got so close and I, I got so close to, to actually doing the, the whole, you know, being in a successful touring band and releasing records and things. For me, I think I ran into just one too many sour figures in the industry that really sort of beat my confidence down. And it messes with your head so much that it took me maybe six years, five, six years to get over that. And so I've just got to a point now where I do my own podcast and I don't have any real desire other than if I want to, to, to like write music or make music. I have a massive desire to talk to other people that do it because it's so interesting to hear other people's perspective on it. Cause I just learned that I, one, that I wasn't alone and two, that I was going about it all the wrong way. <laughs> so that is, it's really interesting to hear other people's takes. But no, I don't really do that much in, in terms of making music now. So overall, how did you feel about like listening back to those songs and looking at those lyrics? I'm still sweating. <laughs> I'm still sweating. Uh, it's, it's weird because it takes you, it, you know, the, the, the music listening to it, it takes you back to that place. Like I, it takes me back in my mind to the practice room that we'd be in. It was at the new market in Western Supermare, uh, in the function room at the back. Um, it takes me back to there and practicing there. And, and that's quite weird, but for the most part, just really mortified. <laughs> Quite often people um, say that they feel like it's been helpful for them finding it less embarrassing. Well, I mean, the more you talk about something, I guess, it, it, you you learn to accept it. But it's it's one of many skeletons I probably will try and keep buried from now on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you could go back in time and speak to yourself just before you wrote the lyrics to 
these songs. Is there anything that you'd want to say to yourself? I'd just say 10 out of 10 for trying, mate. That's, I think that's like anyone that's trying to make music or do something creative. I think just even if it's sh- like horrible, just like wicked for trying and keep at it. If you if you love it, keep at it. I, I don't think I would sell myself like, whoa, 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 let me help you with that. I wouldn't, uh, you know, just you just got to let people do what they do. And I, so I think I just would have given myself, not in an egotistical sense, but would have given myself a pat on the back as a person that's trying to be creative and trying to make something creative to share with other people. I think that's just always a good thing, even if it ends up being horrible <laughs> and really embarrassing. But yeah, um, that's probably... That would probably be, be be my only thing that I would tell myself. Oh, oh, I would tell myself to stop being so selfish. <laughs> that would be one thing I would do, is stop being such a selfish dictator. <laughs> do you feel like you're less selfish now? I mean, I try to be. By design, I have to be because like, I have a girlfriend and like I have to th- like think about her and stuff, which helps. Uh, when you care about someone else other than yourself, it's, you, it's easy to not be so selfish. But I think I've got a way to go. Hopefully I'll, I'll end up being a really lovely person. When I, <laughs> when I grow up, uh, I hope I'm a really nice person. <laughs> that was 12 years ago, so in another yeah. 12 years, we'll, we'll talk Double again. nice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Thanks, Matt. thanks for having me. Um, you also... As you mentioned before, uh, you do a podcast as well? Yes, I do, yeah. I do the Musicians podcast where I don't talk about embarrassing stuff, but much like you, I talk about people's journeys and, and um, how they deal with like sort of different coping mechanisms through their, their sort of process of songwriting and, and how they deal with being in the industry. And uh, I'm about, about 11 weeks in. I've done 11 episodes and I've got a bunch more, so go and listen to that. Great, man. <laughs> oh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Thank you for listening. This has been I'd Sooner Forget This. Uh, my guest this week was Matt Aldis. Uh, I'm Daryl Smith. Um, if you have like a few seconds spare, then please do give this podcast a review on iTunes and uh, subscribe. And also find us on like Facebook um, and Twitter at I'd Sooner Forget This. Like, you can find lots of extra little bits and pieces from every episode there and uh if you can't do any of that just stick around and uh wait for next week's episode thank you bye